From 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, I'm Jordan Lee. And I'm Piet Levy, music writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Every week we talk about music coming into Milwaukee and the music coming out of Milwaukee. This is Tapped In. Hey, Piet, how are you, brother? Great, Jordan. How are you doing? Very, very good. Uh, you know, we want to talk about Vans Warp Tour today. Yeah. Uh, for both of us, it's got a special place in our heart. It's, uh, uh, for me, a festival that I kind of came of age with sure. the Vans Warp Tour. And I was very much into Epitaph Records as a younger version of myself. And I think most of my favorite punk and hip-hop acts played Vans Warp Tour when I was coming up uh, in the late 90s. And uh, we're saying goodbye to Vans Warp Tour this year. Yeah, Vans Warp Tour is the longest-running touring festival uh, in, in North America. And this year is the last cross-country run. Wow. Um, so, and, and that means the last Milwaukee stop for the cross-country run, and possibly the last Milwaukee stop ever. It's going to be happening this Monday at the Summerfest grounds. Now, I realize I am wearing my checkerboard vans today. <laughs> You've got them on the table. I, I see sure that. That's seen. I got the black on black checkers. I've been looking for those for years. Um, but no, seriously, I mean, this was a this was a big to do when this first happened. I mean, of course, the skateboarding element was such a huge driving force at the beginning of the festival, and, sure. and at the beginning, kind of overshadowed the music. It was almost like the music was kind of a, a, an accompaniment to seeing some of your favorite sponsored skateboarders go around. But uh, over the years, it has become known for not only you know some of your favorite artists, but really breaking artists that are kind of up and coming and, and discovering new music at the festival. Yeah, when I went to Warped uh, in Milwaukee, I think it was 2005. That was the first Warp that I went to, um, so I got a little bit late to the game on that, but. Uh, I remember, like, uh, you know, uh, Fall Out Boy was playing that summer. Right, and they were just, right. that was just like with, with Andy Hurley from Anomaly Falls. And they were just kind of blowing up there. And you look back at some of the alum, I mean, you had uh, Blink 1A2, of course, Paramore. Yep. I think played maybe even that summer or the year after. Um, Katy Perry, uh, might have been that year, actually. Uh, Eminem, Beck played Warp Tour, Black yep. Eyed Peas, No Doubt, Kid Rock. Um, there's just a lot of big names that went through the Warp Tour. But beyond the, the artists that were, that became big, it just became, uh, kind of an alter- it's an alternative culture. Yes. There are a lot of bands, you know, metalcore bands specifically uh, in recent years that and, and ska bands, punk bands, all that kind of stuff that weren't necessarily mainstream, didn't necessarily play for huge audiences, but they had a huge audience to play for at this crazy carnival like atmosphere of the Warp Tour. And it was like its own special place where outsiders really that love those kinds of music, that kind of music. And just outsiders, period, could come together, young kids, and have a place to call their own. That was the thing, I think, especially for me, that was particularly exciting about it at the beginning and still remains to be exciting is that all ages have an opportunity to get together, especially we've talked so many times in this segment about the lack of opportunity for folks under the age of 21 to see quality entertainment in this market. Warp Tour year after year brought big names to the city and you could always go to see them regardless of whatever age you were. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, you know, it's great that Milwaukee is such a, a vibrant scene and you've got, you know, some of the bands that would play at Warp Tour will do like one-off shows at the Ray. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, some some of the bands that would play Warp Tour, I remember sometimes they'd be at Summerfest right before Warp Tour yep. coming back a couple weeks later. Yep. There's still opportunities for those kinds of shows in town and opportunities for people that are under 21. But for all of it to be congregated like that, like 50-plus bands uh, on one day uh, like that, I mean, for, for it to not come back, it's just it's kind of hard to fathom, and it definitely will leave a void. Absolutely. I can remember about a year ago or so, we were talking about how you know your prediction was that Warp Tour was going to be a really significant opportunity for a destination festival, and, and now we're saying goodbye to it. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. 
We are back. It's Tapped In. I'm Jordan Lee from 89 Radio Milwaukee. And with me, as always, is Piet Levy of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. We're talking about Warp Tour on this uh, particular episode of the podcast. And Piet, I have to share some of my favorite memories of the Warp Tour because I've seen it in so many different locations throughout Milwaukee. Okay. I can remember uh, as a younger version of myself, I was wondering, why isn't it at the Summerfest grounds? Because okay. I had gone to uh, uh, Miller Park. Yeah. I'd gone to the Rave. One yeah. time it was held inside slash outside the Rave. Okay. Okay. Which was very weird because, you know, the rave has that big parking lot. Yeah, yeah. So that was used. And then the wow. front area was used. Yeah. And then the shows were in the different parts of the rave that structure. That was pretty cool. It was and it wasn't. Okay. I, I think the idea of, you know, you wanting to see your favorite band outside and then there's all these things going on inside. It just kind of broke up the feel of the outdoor mm, yeah, festival. Okay. I um, I, I'd gone to uh, different parts of Chicagoland and seen it in different areas down there. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I, and if the, for me, the thing that was always the most exciting was, like you had said earlier in the segment, it's this counterculture all coming together. For me, it was rap, it was punk, it was skate culture, it was um, all of that just kind of in one big festival, which had such a huge impression on me as a teenager. I also had opportunities to play at Warp Tour throughout oh, really? the year, which was really cool. Oh. I was in a, a DJ collective called the Fader Gremlins, okay. uh, which was a, kind of like a... I don't know, like an invisible scratch pickle style crew of just we would all just scratch records and make okay. like music out of it. And we were uh, and we got to play not only the Milwaukee, but uh, also the Chicago Warp Tour. And that would have cool. been like 2002. Wow. And uh, one summer I even <laughs> put up some money with a friend and we had a vendor booth. Okay. My buddy Ben used to have a, a clothing brand in high school called Bum Killer Gear. I don't know why he called it that, <laughs> but it was like a skate and punk focused okay. like DIY screen printing yeah. company. And we actually made our money back on the vending wow. booth. Wow. The only bad part about that was I missed almost every performance I wanted to see except for Rancid. That was the only performance wow, I saw You had to see day. one. You had to see Rancid. Yeah, Rancid was great. And I got yeah. to see, you know, like, no effects. I remember I got to see Ozzo Motley. This is before Jurassic 5 blew up. So this is okay. when Charlie Tuna and Cut Chemist of J5 were still actually in Azomotli. Um I got to see Atmosphere at cool. Warp Tour. I mean, I just can think of so many amazing artists that I still love today that I kind of discovered as a teenager yeah. going to that festival. Yeah, and, and now it'll be interesting to see what teens... I mean, this is all before, obviously, like Spotify and stuff. Exactly. And I guess And I guess kids are going to mostly kind of discover this stuff through Spotify and just one-off shows and some festivals. But it, but Warped has such a distinct feel. I definitely went after a distinct audience like that. It feels like, you know, obviously, like, Lollapalooza has a young audience, but mm-hmm. it never really seemed that young. I mean, it, right. it seemed like Lollapalooza was going after people slightly older than the Warped crowd. Well, then there's a price point. Yeah, that exactly. Kind of was a big one. A, you know, yep. for me, we could always afford to go to Warp Tour. Yeah, I mean, it was always something you could handle, and you'd get your mom's friend to drop off a van full of you guys, and you'd get off, <laughs> right. and you'd be, you know, and, and it would always wrap up before the sun went down. So yeah. I think that was something that was also really, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's po- it's positive and safe place for teenagers to go and mm-hmm. experience the festival experience because you you know, it, I'm thinking now as as the father of teenagers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like okay, I don't mind if you're going to start at noon and I'm going to go get you at yeah. seven thirty p.m. That's totally reasonable. Yeah, plus they had the parents' tent there where yeah, the parents could just sit, sit up, hang right. out, watch DVDs or like, you know, read books read or knit. I think I actually saw a mom knitting there one time, you know? So, yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, parents could go. So there was a safe place a safe for place. parents, safe. too. Yeah, we need safe spaces for parents, <laughs> yeah. too, in 2018 and beyond. Well, besides like what it did for you, I think it did a lot for a lot of Milwaukee musicians. I remember uh, the um, uh, the Benjamins was a Milwaukee oh, band. Oh, I love quite the well. Benjamins. They did the whole Warp Tour. They I think, did. I think yep. until they got fired. Yes, uh, they did. That's uh, true. But they did, they did do an actual Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years ago, we shadowed Mask Intruder from Madison. Mask Intruder was on it, um, yep. And they have Officer Bradford as part of that band. He's in Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, but that was so 
fun just to hang out with them in Milwaukee and for that Warped Tour mm-hmm. experience. And, you know, that was great for them to play for new people and, and meet new young fans. Um, and I, I remember this story, too, about um, there's a photographer in Milwaukee – uh, Janelle Janey, who, you know, Warped had obviously besides the music and the skating and all that kind of stuff, just tons and tons of like nonprofit booths. Yes. And she signed up to, uh, this became kind of a story, uh, Radio Lab did a podcast on this, you should look it up, where she signed up to be a bone marrow donor and was actually matched because she went to Warped Tour, signed up to be a bone marrow really? donor there. Save someone's life. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's just another one of billions and billions of stories just from the Milwaukee uh, portion of the warp tour, right. you know. So, uh, what a run! Uh, hats off to a great run, and uh, yeah, we'll see what the future holds for that kind of space and that you know, opportunities that would cater to audiences like mm-hmm. that. Uh, my thought is, I'm guessing warp tour is not dead. I'm guessing that they, they are going to be cutting back, obviously, from this cross country thing. They keep kind of uh, emphasizing this is the end of the cross country warp tour. So, my guess is that Warped will still live on, probably mm. not as a cross country, you know, obviously not as a cross country thing in a million different right, cities. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see it kind of pop up as like, you know, weekend destination festivals sure. in certain, you know, geographies. And uh, I would say if they do a Midwest version, uh, they should do it in Milwaukee. They should do it at the Summerfest Grounds. I, well, I, I would agree. We already have that going for us. I mean, the Summerfest Grounds is uniquely positioned, and it was always interesting to me. I, I would I would love to go back, and maybe you and I should task each other to go find the story of, like, why did it take so long for it to get to the Summerfest Grounds? Because yeah. it seemed to me like, duh. Yeah. You've got you got, you got the facilities. Yep. You've got the stages. You've got the toilets. you got the vending. It's like it's all ready for you at Summerfest. Yeah, the infrastructure's already there. Right. So if they did honestly want to do, like, a, a Midwest stop, think of all the money that they would save by not having to build all those stages. Because they use their stages, right? Right. They give all the money. They you know not have to bring in porta potties because you know or not met that many because they have the the, the facilities there. there. Food stands, uh, Dry water fountains, parking, for parking. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things that are already there that could be a huge yeah. cost savings if they decide to make Milwaukee a Midwest destination. That's which a they good should. point. That's I mean, a that's point. one thing. The other thing too is that we're at a time where festivals are. You know, we, we're past kind of the gold rush phase of the festival business. We talk about that a yeah. lot. And, uh, <laughs> You know, I think a lot of people are, are looking for the best experience that they can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the Summerfest Grounds is just a really optimal place to see shows, an mm. optimal place to do a festival experience. You're not walking into like a dusty field and dealing with those porta potties. Yep. You're going somewhere that's that's permanent. It's on the lake. Yep. It's really pretty. You have the really nice skyline. Um, the main audience for festivals are are women. And I remember uh, seeing a, a marketing by GMR Marketing in yeah. the Milwaukee area. They said like about they pulled women about festival experiences. About sixty four percent of women said that they just hated unclean bathrooms, hated long lines for unclean bathrooms. Of and of course, course anyone would. Um, and they really like eighty three percent of them said the atmosphere is a big driving point yep. to why they go to a festival. And I think Summerfest has those in in really good shape there if they decide to do that. And again, Midwest location, they can you know potentially draw people in from from all over the place. Chicago already has a lot of big destination festivals. Yes. It'd be very crowded for them to get back into Chicago again with all those festivals going on. Milwaukee's an opportunity to kind of draw people from Chicago right. to Milwaukee. And when I think about like Riot Fest, like there's so much crossover programmatically yeah, between mm-hmm. Riot Fest. So it yeah. would make sense to not do it in Chicago and come up here and try something. You know, I mean, again, if that's your flavor, if that's the mm-hmm. music you like, 
Warp Tour is going to have that for you. Yeah, and if it's going to survive as a destination festival, uh, I think it would need some bigger names. They probably need to bring in some like you know they've been basically relying on the brand and having kind of smaller right. bands. There's play. not like a big headliner right. who's like we got the Clash back together. For I mean, granted, now that's not possible, but you see my yeah, point. Yeah, something, yeah. something of that level that brings folks out who wouldn't usually just go and explore. Who's like, oh my gosh, this is a destination because Riot Fest does do that. Yeah. Look at like the Dropkick Murphys yep. to play with uh, uh, Bad Religion or something sure, like that. Sure. Like, that's a big deal, right, right. For that kind of so, booking. So if they wanted to have like an, a few actual really big bands yeah, to draw from. Yeah. That's perfect. You've got the amphitheater. Yep. You've got, or the BMO Harris Pavilion if they right. want to go that big. Right. You know, where they could have, theoretically, you know, blinking on any two headlines, yes. the, the, uh, the destination of, for the, the Milwaukee date, the Midwest yeah. date, or Fallout Boy, or Paramore. Yeah. And they could fill those places. Um, mm. so in so many ways, I think it makes a lot of sense. And this is just, daydreaming and, and they, this will probably never ever happen <laughs> but of course everyone subscribes to this podcast so we know they're listening to oh us of course they're, they're they're totally are of course they are and they're probably like by gosh why didn't we think of this <laughs> call everybody we're doing it in milwaukee Jordan Pia, we're right <laughs> it'd be really cool to see it'd be so cool to see again it's all very wishful thinking but i i think that honestly it's not that far-fetched i mean i, I think if they, if they wanted to do something like this they should strongly consider milwaukee Let's just put that out there. I mean, mm-hmm. we want to continue the conversation with you, so you can check us out uh, at RadioMilwaukee.org. Uh, Radio Milwaukee is our social handle on all of those things. So if you want to find us on Twitter, Instagram, wherever we might be, uh, that's the easiest way to find us. Of course, you have written about this online as well. Yeah, absolutely. You go to jsonline.com slash music, and we'll be covering the Warp Tour, the final the final steps. So check back to online and, and the General Sentinel for coverage. Well, thanks again for joining us for Tapped In. It's produced by Tyrone Miller, and our handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership. You can subscribe to this podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org, on iTunes, or anywhere that you find your podcasts. Piet, I'll see you next time for Tapped In. See you next time. See you next time. See you next time. See you next time.